So Money episode 646, Andy Malinsky, author of Reach. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. November 1st, 2017. The holidays are approaching. And guess what else we're approaching? Five million downloads. You heard that right. Can you believe it? I am beside myself. I am truly grateful for the fact that I'm even here telling you that we are close to 5 million downloads. I started this podcast in January of 2015, not really knowing how far it would go. And here we are. I feel incredibly grateful, mostly to you, uh, every single one of you tuning in day after day, week after week. And for those of you who have just joined us, who have been writing in and telling me how much you appreciate the podcast. I appreciate you. I do. I love all your stories and feedbacks and emails and reviews on iTunes. My goodness, just thank you. And I can't thank you enough. And I I just wanted to take a little moment before we get into this episode today to, to express that. And I will certainly let you know when we hit that 5 million download milestone. And I think it's going to be hopefully before the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. Now, today, uh, we have an incredible guest, as always, always, our Greg, our guest, I'm just, we are so lucky to have these amazing people stop by. You know, Tony Robbins likes to say that the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty you can comfortably deal with. I've witnessed him say this to an audience live in person. It's very powerful and it's very true, right? I mean, think about it. If you just create this life that is super comfortable and predictable, yeah, there is some comfort in that and there is safety in that to an extent, but hey, life sometimes comes right at you when you least expect it. And if you are only able to do what you know and aren't able to step outside of that comfort zone and thrive, you will fail and you will fail hard. And ultimately, Tony believes, and I totally believe this too, that the more you can challenge yourself, be open to failure, make moves that maybe you don't have all the answers for, but you're just going to do it because you have a good gut instinct about it. You believe in it and you, you know what, it's time to make a change that ultimately over time, I think can lead to more happiness and fulfillment and frankly, excitement in your life. So let me ask you, how often do you leave your comfort zone? That brings us to today's show. You know, as tough as that can be, our guest today, Andy Malinsky, says it is the very practice that often leads to our success in life. And, you know, I got laid off in 2009. That was a very uncomfortable, uncertain time in my life. But I didn't cower. I didn't play the victim. And I do credit so much of my success today and happiness today to that very surprising kick in the pants that I got all those years ago. 
Now, Andy, he is a popular professor at Brandeis University, and he has delivered a tremendous book on this topic. I think you should all read this before the year ends so that you can start 2018 with a lot of confidence. It's called Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. And in the book, he helps people conquer the uncomfortable, conquer the uncomfortable, so that they can succeed. This is actually Andy's second book. His first book was called Global Dexterity, Huge Success. It achieved the Axiom Award for Best Business Book. And uh, organizations around the world have used this book, including the U.S. Air Force Academy and the Clinton Foundation. So buckle your seatbelts. This is an episode that's going to teach us all how to master challenging situations and have you become the most confident person you know. Here we go. Here's Andy Molinsky. Andy Molinsky, welcome to So Money. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to learning how to get outside of my comfort zone and deliver bad news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Is anyone really born able to be really good at that? Are those people just sick? Like, come on, who wants to give bad news? Yeah, I know. It. You know, it's funny. The uh, So for years, I've studied the challenges of people of delivering bad news. I've worked with people on it and I, I don't think anyone's born to do it, but I think, you know, people have different sort of emotional stabilities. And also some people who get quite good at it say to me, you know, a better me than someone else because someone else is going to butcher it. Yeah. Well, you have a new book that talks about all this sort of awkwardness that comes up in the business world, whether that's delivering a bad news and that you have to fire somebody or we didn't, we have to shutter our business, um, or even just someone who has to speak in public and is scared of that. We're learning more and more, I think, as I read Inc. and Entrepreneur and Forbes, that there's a lot of supporting data behind why introverts are actually can be better at business than they think. And that introvertism is actually a, a strength, not something that we've always perceived to be a weakness. And if you're not necessarily someone who you know gets a rise out of being amongst a, a large group of people, um, that doesn't have to be something that is a barrier to entry for you that actually that could be something that you can leverage. And so your book is called Reach. Um, it's your second book. Uh, you're very busy. You work at Brandeis as a professor. Uh, your last book, Global Dexterity, was a huge hit and was actually acclaimed to be one of the uh, top books uh, in the world, best business book in international business and globalization. And so I sense um, from there, you wanted to keep the momentum and the conversation going. And now you've authored Reach, which the subtitle is A New Strategy to Help You Step Outside Your Comfort Zone, Rise to the Challenge, and Build Confidence. Andy, what is the new strategy? What's the old strategy and what's your new strategy? <laughs> it's a good question. I'm not sure what the new part of it is, but I guess the idea is that it's it's research-based, it's evidence-based. So I was very interested in the challenges people face in stepping outside their personal comfort zones in any situation. Like you mentioned a lot of them. It might be making small talk, being assertive, pitching and promoting yourself, uh, making a sale, lots of things. And I spoke with managers, executives, and but then I even broadened it. Doctors, police officers, um, therapists, actors, students, priests, rabbis, e even a goat farmer, which is kind of a funny backstory. But I was interested in the challenges, you know, why it's hard to act outside your comfort zone, delivering bad news or other things, um, how we avoid doing it, which I think a lot of us are pretty good at avoiding it, and then what you can do to be successful. So I guess new in the sense that it's 
you know, it's pretty, it, I, I hope it's a pretty solid perspective from the research front, but it's also described uh, and written about in a super user-friendly and practical way. As I kind of touched on earlier, we have these like assumptions about people who are successful and their strengths. And we assume that people who are at the top of their game, whether that's the police officer or the CEO, that because they are necessarily people, people, <laughs> you know, people, persons, uh, that they're comfortable in, in large crowds, they're okay delivering uncomfortable news. Um, that that they they just have this strength that 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 that's maybe something that they like to do. But you find that the truth behind that is that these people largely have just discovered how to do it, uh, and and their own way to accomplishing that. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? So how do you find your way to do all of these things if you're not someone who is inherently excited or good at them? Yeah. So um, I, I think a mistake we often make is that when we watch other people, we draw conclusions uh, based on their behavior. So it's almost like we're watching people's highlight reels, but we don't get to see all the hard work and the bloopers and the problems and the challenges and the fears and the anxieties behind all that. Right. So that's what I aim to do. I aim to really understand, you know, what what challenges people have. And these are these could be people at any level of an organization and at any level of their career. I talk with people who are very young and inexperienced, and you can imagine that they had problems and challenges stepping outside their comfort zone. But I also talk with very, very experienced people. And maybe they don't like to admit it all the time, but 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 they struggle as well. In fact, I think there was a recent survey done um, of CEOs, the number one best, the number one top fear of CEOs around the world is the idea of being in, of becoming exposed as, as being incompetent, an imposter, a wannabe. Uh, so at the very highest levels, people might hide it, but, but, but really everyone to some degree and in some situation is afraid to step outside their comfort zone. So that's, that's what the book's about. Um, and you, and, and what I've found, and we could talk about some of the strategies and so on, but the bottom line is that there's no one size fits all. You can find a way to do it. And I also, in addition to interviewing people, I also work with people. Um, and I do, um, workshops and keynotes and companies and so on. And, and I've seen it and, and, and you really, this is something you can really learn to do. I have learned to do it. I struggled outside my comfort zone for the longest time. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely doable. You talk about how there are five key challenges underlying our avoidance tendencies. Avoidance tendency being what? Like our, our avoidance of difficult situations, getting in front of the crowds and delivering our message. What are avoidance tendencies? And then, then we can go into these key challenges. Yeah. So like avoidance tendencies are, you know, I don't know, saying, saying no to a speech because we're terrified of speaking mm. in public. I remember early on in my career, like 20 years ago, when I was a first year professor, I was asked by some big companies to give talks. And at that nowadays, if that happens, I'm like, sign me up. I do it. 20 years ago, I was terrified. So I would like look at my calendar. It would be completely blank. Of course, nothing on that date. And I would say to them, you know, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, that date's really not going to work for me. Like knowing full well that it absolutely could work, but I was just terrified mm -hmm. to do it. And then of course, praying that they wouldn't say, oh yeah, we're flexible. You know, you could do it the next day or um, anyways. So saying no to something, maybe even delivering another way that we avoid is delivering only part of a message we need to deliver, you know, um, or, or, or maybe, um, uh, 
let's say we're afraid of networking. Uh, instead of going to the networking event, you ask your assistant to do it, or you decide to send out an email blast or a Facebook post, which isn't bad, but it's just not the same. Um, maybe, maybe you procrastinate or, you know, or maybe you rationalize to yourself and you, so it, and you say, you know, it's not that important that I learned to make sales. It's not that important that I learned to give, you know, critical feedback. You know, I, I, I can learn to do that later or, or I'll learn that at some point when, when the reality is, is that to grow and learn and develop in your career and move forward, you know, there are these pivotal situations that you need to learn to step outside your comfort zone for. So, so that, that's what I mean by avoidance. And so the challenges you've identified that lead us to these avoidances, uh, we're worried about authenticity coming across as maybe phony. Um, we're worried about our own competence, which sounds maybe what you were afraid of, like, oh, can I really do this? We're uh, worried about resentment as a challenge, like ability, morality. And so then you have to sort of bring this and flip this. You say there are three C's to bridge those gaps, which is really just sometimes a mindset shift. But you could talk about the three C's. Can you go through those with us? Yeah, absolutely. And part of it's mindset, but part of it's actually action, not just mindset. So the first one is definitely mindset, which is conviction. So you're feeling inauthentic. You're feeling like this isn't me. You're feeling you're worried that people are going to hate this version of you. And a lot of people feel that like delivering bad news or being more assertive than they're used to, that they worry that others will hate this new version of them, or you feel incompetent, whatever it is, whatever your fears are. Um, the first C is conviction. And what I found is it's essential to sort of embrace your deep sense of purpose for why this is critical for you to do, uh, why you believe it's critical. Um, you know, that might be a professional reason, like to advance in your career, to move forward. Uh, you've always wanted to be a leader. You've always wanted to be a manager. You've always wanted to own your own business or whatever it might be. That's a professional source of conviction. And that can really be powerful in helping you step outside your comfort zone and, you know, saying yes, even though every bone, psychological bone in your body is saying no. But also there's personal conviction. You know, sometimes like for me, for instance, I often think of my kids, you know, and I'm always trying to coax them outside their comfort zone. And so, you know, how about me? What kind of role model am I if I am avoiding it? So whether it's personal, professional, whatever it is to, you know, recognize, embrace that, that, that source of conviction, that that's, that's, that's the first C that's the first tool that that's at your disposal. You have it already. You just need to find it, locate it and embrace it. And then you talk about Clarity and customization. I can almost see this applying even to your financial life. You know, if you are worried about mastering your money, you're worried about how am I ever going to get out of this debt? I can't do it. I'm, I'm, you know, some people have that story in their head that, that script that says like, you're just doomed for poverty. <laughs> people actually believe that, you know, like there's just no way out. Um, you can apply clarity and conviction and customization to get out of those, those holes. I'm curious about customization. How does that look? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be interested to hear the connections in a minute too. Like, um, so customization, you, you mentioned it was mindset. It truly is mindset, but it's also action. So what customization is, is this is really cool. This is something, I think this is probably the most surprising slash exciting thing I found in my research is that customizations like, like, like you buy a pair of pants or a dress and you, you, you buy it off the rack and it doesn't quite fit perfectly. So you bring it to the tailor 
And the tailor makes slight adjustments, so it's personalized to you. Now, that's an analogy or a metaphor. That, that's, that's the kind of thing you can do with a situation outside your comfort zone. You can tweak it. You can make minor adjustments, and you have more power than you think to do that. It could be through your body language. It could be through props, like literally props that you bring to a situation, subtle ones. I can give you some examples. Uh, you can stage the context. You can play with timing even sometimes. You can change your language. All sorts of things to make something that was outside your comfort zone just a little bit more comfortable. I'll give you one quick example, um, but there's so many examples. One little example is something that's actually not even in the book. It was written – it was in a note that um, someone wrote to me who wrote, read the book, loved the book and said, oh my gosh, this totally applies to me. She was afraid of making small talk and sort of socializing at get-togethers. She'd be kind of like a wallflower. She'd sit in the corner, wouldn't say much and she really wanted to kind of connect it turns out she loved photography. And so she had this idea once to bring a uh, selfie stick to, to parties and get togethers, sort of as a prop almost. And, and it was really incredible. She said it, it catalyzed her experience. It totally changed it because all of a sudden there was something to talk about. She was in the position of showing people how to do it. It was a conversation starter. It, it, it loosened her up, allowed her to become more authentic and natural. They exchanged emails to sh share pictures and so on. And it, she said it was, it completely changed her experience. It's just one example. But the overall point here is that you can customize your experiences. No one size fits all. And that is really powerful. So that's customization. Right. Because the trap we fall into is thinking that we have to follow somebody else's blueprint, right? Or roadmap to success. And and if someone is a public speaker and we admire them, that we necessarily have to do it their way. And that could be frightening. And it's not so much who we are. And that, like you said, it can bring about doubts of authenticity and competence. But um, finding your voice, finding your way to feel comfortable in an uncomfortable situation is the key. Uh, did you make any correlations to managing money perhaps in, in, or have you – or now that we're kind of on the topic, um, maybe we could think out loud. Uh, how would you maybe apply this to somebody who is worried about um, making the money they need, say, in their new business um, because they have a fear of competence or will they like me? Will they like the product? Will they like my service? How do we get over those uh, feelings of discomfort? Well, another one, um, so, so, so to, to sort of connect to that, but also give you the third of the C's, which I think is very relevant. The third of the C's, you have conviction, you have customization. The last one's clarity. And I think that might be an important um, factor in what you're talking about. Clarity is the idea that oftentimes when we're in a situation outside our comfort zone, like starting a business, as you're saying, let's say, um, and it's scary for us, right? We're, we're, we're afraid. Oftentimes our emotions take hold of our rational thinking and kind of even overtake our rational thinking and cause us to sort of fixate on the extreme worst case scenarios and worst case possibilities. Like in the realm that I work in, let's say, you know, you're public speaking and you think I'm going to be a complete and utter failure. I'm going to faint on stage. I'm going to be a total fool. And you fixate on that. Or by the way, you could fixate on the other extreme of, I will only speak unless I'm the best Ted talker in the world, or I wow the crowd. And so your emotions, imagine a boat in an ocean and imagine it being a wa wa lots of waves in the ocean. Your emotions are pulling you towards different different, it's sort of pulling the boat back and forth and not having a grounding. But the grounding, the clarity is that anchor. And that's what 
successful people are when stepping outside their comfort zone. They're able to, to sort of achieve that sense of clarity. And so I imagine in your case, it might be something like, you know, I'm not going to make that, you know, I'm not going to start that business. I'm just going to be a total failure. I'm going to, it's going to, it's going to bring me to bankruptcy. I'm going to end up in ruins or the idea that I, I'm only going to be successful if, if I hit, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, um, if I hit that multi-million dollar platform in a year or two or whatever it is, but but I think fixating on the reality, on the concrete reality with clarity is much better. Like, for instance, there's going to be some startup costs, right? I might even lose money initially because I need to invest in the business, but I'm going to I'm going to stay the course. I, I have a plan, whatever it might be. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think clarity really fits in there. Yes, yes. And maybe if it's not about starting a business, but it's about just getting out of debt or saving up to buy something or uh you know, invest in something. I think clarity is always key. I mean, that's uh, how yeah. I often start my financial conversations with guests is like, what is your money mantra, the, the saying or the philosophy that gives you, you your financial life clarity? And so if you could answer that for us, that would be a nice transition just to kind of get more into your money mindset. Andy, you know, do you have a financial philosophy my financial philosophy is uh, think long term. I would say, yeah. I would say it's think long term with everything. Like I try not to. I really do try. Like when the you know I'm I'm not a my field is is um, academics and teaching and training and speaking and so on. I'm not a money person per se, but of course I I manage my money just like anyone does. And I always I always think long term. You know I I try you know, I, I do pay attention to the stock market, but I don't try to get worried about it. When there's a downturn, like a major downturn, I think to myself, it's an opportunity as opposed to the, the yes. like it, it's panic, you know? Uh, and, and so, I, but that requires, um, having that sense of, of, of clarity. I think customization also comes in with a money mindset too, because if your goal is to, you know, is to save or is to retire at a certain age or whatever it might be, you know, customization is the idea that there's no one size fits all way of achieving that. Right. I think that's really important to note. So, you know, for some people it's contributing to their 401k and getting a matching program from their employer, but for someone else who is maybe a freelancer who, who doesn't have that, maybe Maybe there are other vehicles and other ways and other strategies for customizing a way to save. Maybe it's buying prop income property or whatever it might be. But I think that 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 there's no one size fits all. And so finding a way and a strategy and a plan that's going to fit you and achieve your goals and be something where you don't fall off the emotional balance beam and stay clear. And that's that, you know, I think that's key. And that's what I try to do. Yeah, I really like the customization piece of this because it's so include it's so in, um in, it involves so many strategies. There's so much potential in how that can work for you. And when it comes to your money, I think I would envision customization also meaning things like uh having an accountability partner to help you get to your goal, uh visualizing, uh visualization as you know is is paramount in business to get people to achieve their goals, but especially with money obstacles, like having a picture of the house you want to buy in five years or the where you get the sunset over the beach where you're going to hopefully buy that second home or the retirement that you envision. Um, that actually has been studies show proven to help people get closer an inch closer to their goals. And that's a way to maybe customize something that otherwise feels very abstract to you. Absolutely. Especially if that's, imp if that's the way that 
uh, will motivate you the most. And for right. someone else, it might not be that. It might be something different, right? It might be that they need to have a sticker next to their computer or they need to, I don't know, who knows what, but they're, you know, like, I, I think that is right. And, 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 you know, find out what your, find out, try to understand what your pain points are, what your challenges are, and then customize a solution that's going to help you achieve your goals in light of those sort of pain points and challenges. And I, I think that, you know, I think that the point of, all my work is to show that in a situation where you might feel helpless, you know, like stepping outside your comfort zone or perhaps managing money as you're talking about or achieving your, your financial goals, um, you know, you have more power than you think. Uh, to to sort of scra- uh, craft and sculpt something that's going to work for you. And I think that's really important. I want to maybe talk a little bit about your brand, Andy. I mean, I go to andymolinsky.com and it says professor, author, thought leader. It's, it's uh, I think, very just uh, wonderful, really, that you've been able to, to create such a brand and a personal platform and a professional platform what has anchored you throughout all of this? Is it the books? Is it the professorship? Is it just your own sense of entrepreneurship within uh, your field? Um, because I think not every professor becomes a well-known author and um, a thought leader and a speaker and someone who's often quoted in the media. And so what do you think has helped you get to where you are if there has been a common thread? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so thank you, by the way. Uh, so, so for for me, actually, um, I think, I think it started, um, you know, just like you said, envisioning that house you want to move into, you know, at some point, like having a vision for me, it wasn't, you know, a vision of finances or houses. It was more of a vision of impact. And when I got into academics many, many, many years ago, my goal wasn't solely to um, influence sort of intellectual thinking in my area or to inspire other professors in their research. Of course, I want to do those things and do solid research and be known for as a great scientist and so on. I wanted to do those things, but I had I had a bit of a bigger goal in mind, which was I wanted to try to impact the everyday life of actual people, you know, out there. Uh, and that that's not so typical for academics, I have to tell you. But I actually thought academics could be an awesome way to do that because it's almost like R&D in a way. It's like 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 you become like an R&D specialist. You really become, you really get good at coming up with ideas and honing ideas and writing really well and so on and so forth. And then once I was able to achieve those skills and, and, and achieve um, a certain level of prominence in my field, I then could start to step out, sort of like, you know, take that step. And I did it in baby steps. I first started writing a little bit for Harvard Business Review. And now several years later, I've probably written about 50, 60 articles for them. Um, I wrote my first book. I started on social media as of 2012, I think maybe before then I was on no social media, (laughs) which is kind of funny now for me, like, like, I'm you know, quite active on it, but I like did it in baby steps. And I tried to use these same ideas that we're talking about conviction. I wanted to make a difference and impact customization. I wanted to be able to do it my way in a way that was authentic to me. And then clarity, I didn't want to fall off the balance beam. I think, you know, you can look around. I, you're right that very few professors do what I do, but there are some, and there's some who are very, very famous and very, very successful. And if you just fixate on them and their experiences and how much they have done and so on, so on and so forth, you can, you can feel pretty small. And I really actively try not to do that. I try to focus on what I'm doing, the impact that I can have, and that's what propels me forward. So. 
Um, yeah, it's a great story. I love that. I love that you, um, I love when you said that you initially wanted to do this, not because of the, you, you just really just wanted to make an impact. And I think that is very honorable, you know, um, that uh, you just wanted to connect with as many people and you did it your way for sure. Some people may have not gone into the academic world. You can do it in your own way. And you're totally right. Academia is like R&D. Uh, and, and in some cases, it keeps you behind the scenes of what's actually happening in the real world. So as a professor, how do you make sure that you are current on what's happening out there in industries, in the world of entrepreneurship? Do you make a dedicated effort to do that? Because I feel like sometimes in academia, you can just stay indoors, you know, at your school doing research. Um, How do you stay in the know? Yeah, the ivory tower, right? (laughs) The ivory tower. Well, first of all, I'm actually at a business school. So that's actually a big difference. So so when you're at a professional school, like a business school or a law school or something like that, automatically you're you're starting to inch, you know, outside the ivory tower because we have managers and CEOs, you know, flowing through here all and companies flowing through here all the time. Um, I have guests in my class. We have, you know, talks. I get asked to do stuff. So that's actually, that's actually a big, a, a big one. And then, and then me personally, um, you know, I speak with, um, with executives, uh, CEOs, um, all sorts of people uh, fairly often. Um, so for my H Harvard business review column, I'm also a columnist at Inc.com, And so I reach out and, um, and I talk with, uh, people, in the business world, um, to, for, for those columns and for my writings. And I also now in the past, I'd say a couple of years, I've been asked to do a lot of keynote speaking and now workshops in companies around these topics about acting outside your comfort zone. A lot of companies have been interested for their newer employees, especially also for their high potential employees, because they've noted that this is a really key topic for them. So that also really makes me, um, current when I'm stepping into a company to spend a half day or a day or whatever it might be with them. And I really hear, you know, what's up in their lives and what's going on in their company. That keeps me very grounded. What was your upbringing like in particular, your financial perspectives that were shaped as a kid? Did you have any early on lessons about money? Um, I don't think I really knew much about money, to be perfectly honest. You know, I grew up you know, I don't know, middle class, upper, upper, upper middle class, middle class ish. My dad was a professor. My mom was a teacher. Um, we were fine, not, not extravagantly wealthy or anything, but not struggling either. Um, I don't know. I, I, I never really had much interest in it. Mm -hmm. It was not, not a huge issue. We weren't struggling for, you know, we, we lived in a fine house and so on. And, you know, we took uh, modest vacations, you know, and, I don't know. It wasn't really an issue for me, to be honest. In fact, my parents didn't highlight it as a key thing. My dad always told me, go into something that you really love and, and, you know, the money will come later. Mm -hmm. Don't think, don't think about money. Don't think about your career as a choice based on money. Think of it as a choice based on your interests and your talents. And then the money will come. That's, that's what I was always taught. And that pretty much happened, right? You would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dad was right. I agree yeah. with that too. I think obviously you have to put in the work and you've done that. Um, but um, it's, it's very uh, liberating to have that mindset as opposed to, uh, I have to always be worried about how much I'm making. I, I'm sure some of your students who are taking on student loans may have a hard right. time, <laughs> you know, embracing right. that, but hopefully one day they will. 
Right. And I mean, I mean, it's, it's true you know, and, and if, if you're sort of like, if you could go in any possible direction, if you have very general interests, sure, choose something that's a bit more lucrative. But, you know, I, I think also if, if you don't want, you certainly don't want to choose something that's lucrative, but that you really don't like or love because, you know, you'll, you'll, you probably won't be at your best and you certainly, you might burn out, uh, and, and you might not live a very happy life. Yeah. Let's do some so many fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you finish it. Tana, maybe we can get into more of your money mindset this way. Okay. If I won the lottery, in fact, in your state, Brandeis is in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Someone just won. Like quarter of a, three quarters of a billion dollars. Uh, yeah. Gross. I think she's, she's a nurse, I think. Oh my gosh. I'm also from Massachusetts. And uh, so I sort of feel like her win was my win, <laughs> even though I will never see that money. Um, I am curious to know, see what she does with it. But if you, if so finish the sentence, I'm, if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is. Um, I think like, <laughs> I think there's some like trust you can create or something so that you don't get publicized and like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. You, no some states, depending are. on the state though, you might get outed and it's it, not up no, to you. In Massachusetts, there's, they were joking that like, like someone said like, this woman clearly didn't like Google, what do I do if I win the lottery in Massachusetts? Because you are able to do that. That's exactly what I would do because I would not want to have my face splashed all oh, over the place. I know. It's, it's scary because there's some scary people out there who could exactly. come after you. It's, um, it's for a real reason. All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Coffee. Yeah. How do you like your coffee? Uh, lots of, uh, either cold brew or usually espresso. So some form of espresso drink. I, I have a, an, I bought an espresso machine a couple of years ago. I buy really good beans. I have a grinder. It's my little guilty pleasure. <laughs> I've been starting to drink more Americanos. Yeah. Um, that's, that's espresso with, uh, with, with uh, water. water. Yeah. As an alternative to the latte. Cause that's a lot of milk. Yeah. And, no, um, I hear you. <laughs> it's like the extra calories I can probably do without. Um, all right. When I splurge, so coffee's a modest expense, although it does add up, but you know, it's not really, really a splurge, at least not what I'm trying to go for here. But, yeah. So when I splurge, the one thing that I can't do without is? Um, I guess tickets to athletic events. Oh yeah. What are your teams? Brett Sox? I'm a, I'm a lifelong Boston sports fan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll splurge for tickets, to the Red Sox or the South the Celtics are now going to be good or the, or the New England Patriots or, you know, that that's my splurge. I remember growing up in Massachusetts and Larry Bird was all the rage. Yeah, what happened too. to Larry Bird? She, he's around. Still around. He's around. Making, yeah. making a pension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His NBA pension. Um, <laughs> Okay, so you said that you kind of had a pretty neutral upbringing around money growing up. Um, if you, there is a way to answer this, I, I'd be curious. So here's the the half sentence: the one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is, um, I guess more about it is is it's not a great sentence, but like you know, really actually understanding understanding money, understanding finances. I kind of had to learn it. I remember after college, I bought like sort of like one of these, like the wall street journal journals guides guide to dummies for investing or something like that. Like I, I actually wanted to learn and I've, I've kind of learned everything that I know and I'm no expert, but I, you know, I know a decent amount. I would say I I've learned it on my own. So, so it's, I kind of wish I had learned more and I kind of try to talk to my kids a little bit about it more, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's, 
you did need to do it in an age appropriate way, but I, but I, I would have liked to kind of know more about it really. Yeah. It's never too soon. I mean, maybe two years old is too soon, but they say kids start to evolve and have money thoughts um, or when they're like five, six, you know, once they go to school and they see how other kids are, what are they wearing to work? What's in their lunchbox? What do their houses look like? They start to kind of associate at least materially and surface wise, like they attach value to things. And so it's important to get in then there because you don't want them to start making presumptions, you know? Right. For sure. All right. Last but not least, I'm Andy Malinsky. I'm so money because. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one. I'm so money because, oh, I don't know. Um, because I, um, I don't know. I don't, it, this, this is, this is a tough one for me. Cause I don't like to toot my own horn. This I gets, know. This gets at one of my problems. You got to reach for this one, Andy. You got to reach for this. All right. I'm so money because I've written two pretty cool books. And that is very so money. Andy Malinsky, thank you so much. The new book is called Reach. It was published uh, with Penguin Random House earlier this year. And um, obviously something that uh, we can all benefit from, whether we're in the professional world, the person, you know, in your personal life, it's always benefits to get outside of your comfort zone. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. This is fun. Thank you so much to Andy for stopping by. His book again is called Reach and his website is andymolinsky.com and he's on Twitter at Andy Malinsky. If you missed any of this or want to repeat the episode, read the transcript, get in touch with me, head over to somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money.